There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And look at this, the three of us back together. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm so happy. I, um, I've i seen each of you individually in person, saw yes. freaking Henley in person oh, since yes. we God. recorded together, but it's still, it didn't feel the same. I like missed you guys in this exact formation. Do you know what I mean? I do. Wow, I really bless do. you, Hen. Oh, I just I don't know if that sneeze. made the recording, but Henley just sneezed. I did a big sneeze. I did a big sneeze. <laughs> yeah, this is my like comfort. This is my like, comfort yeah, place. And I wish that I we could make this. this. Why isn't it like this all the time? <laughs> Somebody Why? freaking moved. And I guess also, you know, life and jobs and partners Ugh. and children. It's just yeah. <laughs> 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 two thumbs down. Two thumbs down on anything that's not this. Just this. <laughs> this feels I'm good. So, it feels so good. It does. It feels like slipping into like a warm bath, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, did anything scary happen to you guys this week? What's up? What's up? Um, real quick, I'll just tell you guys that it's pretty scary being married to a Jets fan right now. I don't know. <laughs> oh, if you I, guys I know. know nothing about this. Are they doing good? Bad? So the Jets are notoriously bad. Like the Jets are a Got terrible it. football team. Okay. And Jets fans especially are like maligned. People look down upon them. They think that they are um, not making good choices in their lives by supporting the, the team known as the Jets. But Got Tim, it. you know, grew up in New York. He's Jets fan for life. Um, and this year... Oh, sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Can you hear Silas like screaming in the background? No. Um, so this year they had kind of an exciting opportunity to do well because they had Aaron Rodgers join the team as the quarterback. Mm, sure. Aaron Rodgers, who had been with the Green Bay Packers forever. Brother of Jordan Rodgers, winner of JoJo's season of The Bachelorette. I'm familiar. Still together. One of the only full seasons of The Bachelorette that I've ever seen. And so yep. I knew all about Jordan Rodgers, knew absolutely <laughs> nothing about Aaron Rodgers. Well, I know they're not I know close. they don't speak. Yep. They don't speak. They don't I speak. I know that. Aaron Rodgers also very like controversial in the press, anti-vax, oh. lied about oh. getting vaccinated, has Yikes. pulled a lot of like weird shit like that. Professional athletes love to not get vaccinated. I think a lot up. of celebrities do in general. I feel like I think, he yeah. was dating Shailene Woodley, right? Isn't she also anti-vax? Maybe not. Probably. I feel like it'd be hard for a couple to be together and not 
and Agree not be on, on the same page about that. Yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's kind that's of a, a deal breaker. That's a big one. <laughs> it would be a deal breaker for me for sure. <laughs> so everyone was excited. They're like, wow, the Jets, maybe this year they have Aaron Rodgers, who's actually a good quarterback. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll do well. Tim was really getting his hopes up, really got his hopes up. He mm. went out to um, a bar or his goddamn Jets jersey out to a motherfucking bar with a new co-worker to watch their first game of the season. So amped. Like, spirits are Uh-oh. high. Feeling Uh-oh. ready. Uh-oh. Feeling ready. First thing that happens, you guys, literally within the first few minutes, Uh-oh. Aaron Rodgers snaps his fucking Achilles tendon. I was just going to say he like breaks his legs or something. Uh, that's where breaks I'm his legs. <laughs> Both of his legs. I was like, he died. He died. Right away. My mind was going dark places. He, dro- he dropped dead on the field. <laughs> he snapped his Achilles tendon. Ooh. Out for the season. Wow. Out for the season. Didn't even get through the first like few minutes oh, of the first no. game. Damn it. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. I mean, it really so that sucks. It's pretty funny. But it's really Everybody funny. except Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And all oh, the fans. sorry. Then all the fans. And when when Tim came home, because oh, he was no. like texting me about it, I wasn't really following. But he came home. I was already asleep. The lights are all off in the bedroom. He comes home. I like wake up. Usually I don't wake up when he comes in the room. But I like you knew. sensed that I something knew. was wrong. He and needed it was, you. It was like a full tragedy had happened. I was like in the dark whispering. I was like, "Are you okay?" How are you? How are you doing? And he was like, he was like, he was like devastated. The Jets won that game, so it was kind of yeah. But they're fucking bad, you guys. Like they're not going to win win any. They're not going to win any more games. It's like sports fandom. People who are, I mean, I I know this. Obviously, people love their teams. Yeah. (laughs) If you're a big fan of your team, you're gonna be devastated when they lose. You're gonna be, but the. It, it's so far from me that to imagine Tim, a person I love and respect, needing to be like earnestly and honestly consoled by his wife because of something <laughs> that happened to a stranger is just so interesting to me. I'm like, I guess that's just how it is. But it is so funny to be like, Tim, who cares? Who cares? Of course, who cares? <laughs> who cares? I have seen but, but Tim, Tim cares, and I, I respect it. I have seen Tim show emotions. I have never seen him show in any other arena of life while watching a Jets game. Like even wow. just now, he was watching and a Jets game. That's what sports is for. I came downstairs, and he was like, he like threw his phone down and was like, "Fuck!" And I was like, "Whoa." Are you okay? What happened? Someone died. Like, someone died. Like, someone broke their legs. He was like, Quinlan Williams is out," or like something. And I was like. Oh, it's football related. What the fuck? Like that is such yeah. an extreme reaction, but it is so coming from such a genuine place. I honestly, though, I was sort of joking, but I do think there's something I do think. And this isn't Tim because Tim is an emotionally in touch man. But I do think there is something to sports that allows a, a certain kind of man to actually feel his emotions. Yes. And talk about them with other and men. talk about them and like be really sad or be really mad or like. And, mm-hmm. I, and then some of that is toxic because it's like, oh, you know, it's bad to like scream and throw your phone and stuff. I mean, I'm again, I'm not talking about Tim, but <laughs> there is something to be said for like you do let a lot of emotions out via sports that you maybe don't like Mm -hmm. in your life. And I don't like those strong emotions, feeling them personally, even as a woman. And so I was starting to get a little bit on the Jets train with Tim trying to be like supportive. 
I got a little taste of those strong emotions and I was like, no, thank you. Not for me. No, not, not for, for me. me. I'll go back to not caring. Thank you very yeah, much. I would prefer not to care. I went to a baseball game once where the I was sitting in the out outfield, I believe it's called, and <laughs> they were booing the the out of God, I'm so bad at talking. I can't remember the, any of the, the words, the vocabulary. The, the, the away team, team, the away team, not the home team. <laughs> not a, I know, I'm like, what's the opposite of home? <laughs> Sometimes I think people must think we're really stupid, and I know that we say we are, but we're all, we're actually not. And I just see people just <laughs> know. That, I don't, I don't fuck with sports, and so it's not crazy that I wouldn't the, know these words. The traveling. No, traveling the, team. Well, the tra- that's for like if they're little kids. It's the traveling team. Would it be the like the opposing team? Opposing team works. Let's sure. go with that. Let's go with and that. I, f- I found it like so upsetting. I was like, why are you being so mean to them? Don't be mean. I have a hard time watching sports on television because I don't like to see the losers' faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really don't like it when they either. show them being upset. Just show me the winners. Just give I me. I want everyone to win and everyone have a good time. Yeah, give me just the people being happy. Don't show me the people being upset. I hate that. Me too. It's too much. It's too many feelings. Unless it's Tom Brady. I'm fine with him being upset. Yeah, there's some people that can be upset for sure. But I don't feel like he's upset that much. You know, as far what I know about Tom Brady is he wins a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, that's yeah, true. That's as far true. as I know. Oh, my God. So. Okay, so tell me about you guys. How, how are your weeks? We, I went to New York last week. As this is when I where I saw you, Henley. Emily. It was visited me. It made me I so happy. Greenwich, Connecticut, and guess what? It's beautiful. And also, I'm sorry. Side note: um, Henley has neglected to mention to us that not only does she live at a church at a building in a building built in the 1860s, spooky as hell, she lives on a graveyard. There's a graveyard <laughs> outside her freaking door. And I also learned. My mom told me this fun fact, which is. A cemetery is like a standalone location just for burying bodies. <laughs> a graveyard is what you call it when it's attached to a church, oh, which is even spookier. So, Henley, you don't live at a cemetery. You live at a graveyard, just so you know. Whoa, Interesting. I didn't even know that. Spooky. That's really wild. spooky. And again, I was told this fact via my mother, who I trust. I didn't look it up. I didn't fact check it. So we're just going to assume that it's true. But it sounds right. That. And I believe her. Yep, that's right. And there's a grave outside of, um, in that graveyard, where a woman lived from like 1868 until 1973, which Whoa. is just the craziest stretch. Crazy. Way too long. Absolutely too long. It's just a wild stretch in history. Probably I hope the craziest she's stretch. not haunting, because she needs a break. She was alive too long. She was alive. I hope she's she, done. She saw too much. She needs her final rest. She's, yeah, I hope she's in a, fine, a state of final rest. Me too. But so we went to New York. It was a great time. It was lovely. And also, I just... It's its a thing about visiting New York specifically. I am so physically wrecked from being in New York. Every time I go to New York, by the time I come back, I am like shell-shocked. I am... Um, every muscle hurts in a weird way. My feet hurt. I have consumed too much. I am like, I have no water left in me. I just like, I can't hang with New York. One night (laughs) at our midpoint of the trip, one night, the only night that Joel and I like didn't have plans with friends. 
and uh, we went to dinner at 6 p.m. and I was asleep by 9 45 mm-hmm. in New York City. But I was just like, I can't fucking do it. I need a break. It's exhausting. So I guess that's scary. It's just like, I can't do it. In Europe, I, on, I think day seven from just walking so much, seven. my hips felt, I, I was in such pain. <laughs> it's like I guess. walking as, as you know, on cobblestones. Cobblestones. That's what we're talking about. Your body is doing all sorts of correcting to get you straight on those cobblestones. And, and, and I kept thinking, I thought like walking a lot is supposed to be good for you. And I think, you know, it is, but, but I was just like suffering. It was really painful. It's, it's, yeah, it's really hard. I it's think, really hard. Yes. New York is so intense. It's so intense. But at least at the end of the day, you feel like you've, really gone through it and in LA if you've really gone through it it meant you sat in traffic for like three hours and no, you're that's just so like true. Mm-hmm. such a shitty feeling and also in New York if you live there I feel like being a tourist there is the hardest yes it's, it's, it's visiting the fucking it is, hardest to be a tourist I think it sucks to be a tourist here in LA yeah, that's true does. too that's but with true. New York it's like you hit a point where it's like I either need to live here or leave here like yes. I can't do it. it's the like going out every single night mm-hmm. being in a hotel not having access to like a f- refrigerator with just like fucking yogurt in it <laughs> like it's just it's so it's just constantly being like okay I'm gonna get up I'm gonna walk a ton I'm gonna be out in the world I'm gonna like like look at people all day i'm gonna like be it's just like it's a hard it's hard man (laughs) also in la you can go back to your car and your car is like your mini home like you can keep shit in your car you have like you have like water bottle you have like change of shoes you have like snacks in there snacks whatever and in new york there's no mini home to go back to you're just out in the wild you're out in the wild for who knows how long yeah, it's, I know, I'm always like, how am I going to drink enough water in New York? But then I'm also like, how am I going to pee enough? Mm-hmm. And also like, how are my feet going to last in these shoes? Because that's also like, well, I, I'm always wearing different day shoes and night shoes. Like, excuse me, my day shoes are not going to be my night shoes, particularly if I'm walking a lot. But then it's like, there's always going to be walking. So how are you going to manage? It's just like, I need to leave there or live there. You know, it's just like, I can't, I can't. It's hard. It's hard. Oh. I'm tired. <laughs> I love tired. New York, though, and I miss it. I do love it. What I really miss is being like 24 in New York. That's what I miss. Because that freedom, there's not, no freedom like it. Being able to wake up and be like, I can do whatever the fuck I want. I can take the subway it's anywhere true. I want. I can do whatever I feel like today. Oh, it's such mm. a good feeling. Uh, if you, mm. If anyone is a senior in college and trying to decide what to do, where to live, move to New York. You're going to be poor and it'll be hard, but it is the best place to be young. Oh God, you guys. Oh no, Henley. Uh-oh. Come back. Henley, come back. Reel her in. Reel her in. We're going to dark places. You can't okay, go there. I'll take us to a, I'll take us to a real fun, funny place. I'm, this is a real curveball, scary thing. Um, even though I feel like there is a couple actual scary things happening to me. I did chemical peel, so my face is literally peeling <gasps> off. And which kind? Mm, is there like a name it's called for a it? VI peel. <laughs> VI peel. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, it's really not much to say. That's that's about it. Face is peeling off. <laughs> um, but you guys know this. I told you this, but it really shook me 
and I feel like I have to say it, which is that I was scrolling through Instagram one day as I do 14 hours a day. And (laughs) I was looking at this one post and, you know, when you're on one post, you can see the top of another post but mm-hmm. not all of it. So I, I I hadn't scrolled yet. And I'm just looking at the very tippy top of the next post. I think it was from Variety. And it's the top of two people's heads, not even to their foreheads. <laughs> it's just basically their hair. Hairlines. <laughs> and I go, that's Ethan Hawke and Maya Hawke. <laughs> like, <laughs> you little weirdo, you little weirdo. And I scroll and it is. And I was shocked <laughs> and sickened a bit by like, why? <laughs> you know what? It has to do with the way your brain has been functioning recently with Wordle, Cordle. What are all your yes, fucking things that you're, you're training doing? your brain to have an immediate image to knowledge association? That's yes, true. I do. Yes. Yeah. Framed. I also follow Ethan Hawke. I see his hair pretty regularly. So yeah, you're looking mm-hmm. at his hair a yeah, lot. He's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, one of the best hot dads out there. So mm-hmm. yeah, one of the absolute hottest for so sure. I'm, yeah, I know what he looks like. <laughs> I know what his hair looks like, but it still was a little disturbing to just have yeah, that sure so readily available in? he's Are directing really? a movie with her in it i don't i don't know what it's called oh, okay okay got it is there a way yeah what's what do you do with that skill sammy i mean that's a real talent a real true <sighs> talent I, I they're genuinely remember in magazines there used to be like identify this celebrity by their like smile yeah and so, I mean, I could make those. Is there a game show? Is there a game <laughs> show you can make? Are there still game shows? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like Family Feud and Real uh, Fortune, Jeopardy, Jeopardy, Million Dollar Pyramid. Yeah, game shows used to be such a central part of life. I feel like I was TV. I mean, networks used to, be, you know, like know. you would just have to throw on the TV and be like, "Well, it's six o'clock, so it's going to be either a game show or the news," yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. I only watch them before The Bachelor. And it's like Wheel of Fortune is on right before Bachelor. And so it's like, I'll watch a little bit of Wheel of Fortune. Um, but you don't usually go onto Netflix and say, I want to watch back seasons of Jeopardy, which I do think exist on Netflix. Um, they used to. And Joel and I did that for a while. And then they took them off. Yeah. I mean, it's a great, a great dinner show. It feels very nostalgic. But anyways, OK, now that I've lightened the mood, let's let's take it. Yeah. Let's make it dark again. Because this week we are going to be <sighs> recapping Gerald's game. I have not been wanting I to do this wanna, one. <laughs> I we get so many people message us being like Gerald's game. Why don't you Gerald's game? Gerald's I was going to say you could, you have our patrons to thank. We did this is our patron chosen episode for the month. Each month we do a poll where our patrons get to pick an episode. This month Gerald's game tied with Lake Mungo. But Gerald's Game was ahead for most of it. So we're doing Gerald's Game and we're going to do Lake Mungo as a as our bonus episode this month. Um, but if you want to be a patron and vote in these polls, go to patreon.com slash TSCW podcast. And yeah, so Gerald's Game hmm. came out in 2017, <laughs> directed by Mike Flanagan, written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard, based on the novel by enemy of the pod, Stephen King. No, <laughs> that man writes so many things, so many books. And you guys, I'm I'm fully 
turned around on Stephen King and I love him since I found out that his wife almost divorced him for playing Mambo number no. five too much. That yeah, felt pretty like funny. such a strange <laughs> news break. Why did that? Why was that all over the news all of a sudden? Like, was Stephen King's publicist like, we need to get you in the conversation. Let's lighten it up. It. Let's <laughs> lighten it up, Steve. I also like the, the notion. I'm just trying to think about like, okay, what would it take? What What's the true quantity if Joel played one song so much that I was like, if you do it again, I'm leaving you. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, what that could actually ever mean. Like, I don't... Well, if the song's Mambo Number no. Five, but it's also does that like, raise or lower the limit? I, I just don't understand the context. <laughs> the, pre- the central premise is so confusing to me. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just very confusing to me. And was it like on an iPod? Did he have the CD? Yeah, what was it like he had this? an addiction to Mambo Number no. Five, and she'd be like, "Stephen, you're not listening to me. You're just listening to Mambo Number no. Five. <laughs> you forgot to pick up the kids again, Stephen. It's Mambo Number." No. In the middle of arguments, it's just he presses plane. It's like don't do, don't do, 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 do. Because then it's like the problem is he's an asshole. The problem isn't Mambo Number Five, right? Right. Right. Anyway, I'm just not sure what to what to take from that. Because what's it a proxy for? It's obviously a proxy. Of, it's for not about else. Mambo Number Can't Five. You know, we always <laughs> said there's it's something it's something, something else. else. That is so funny. I would hate that song. I've never liked that song. It's a pretty obnoxious song, but it's, it's when the time is right, it's funny. It's probably the funniest start to any song. The song literally starts. It's like that's crazy. It's a crazy start to a song. Okay. Anyway, yeah, okay, we're we're yeah. back on board, I guess. Yep. And this movie is starring Carla Gugino, Bruce Greenwood, Chiara Aurelia, Carl Strucken, Henry Thomas, and Kate Siegel. Streaming on Netflix. This is a Netflix original. No theatrical run for this one. Whoa. Which I was surprised by. Yeah. But I mean, I don't remember it being in theater, so... And I guess he has, out. Mike has a big, big overall with Netflix. He used to. That ended. He did. Or, or Okay, well. But yeah, he did. We've got Follow the House of Usher coming soon. Was this before Hill House? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Carl Gugino is in Hill House. Hill House. And a bunch. I mean, I feel like he uses the same actors. So is Kate Siegel and Henry Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Works with the same people a lot. Which I like. Yeah. I mean, that's nice for them. And also, I mean, shows that he's clearly someone they want to keep working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good sign. Don't we need like a thousand trigger warnings for Gerald's game? I think probably. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, OK. But, you know, just hang tight. <laughs> <laughs> just Let's not listening. get ahead of ourselves. We will. But not yet. But OK. Yeah. What do you guys know about what do you guys know about Gerald's game? <sighs> Honestly, nothing. For whatever reason, I feel a massive sense of dread and I and I don't really know why but i i think that that's correct but i don't know why i have it or what but i'm not excited (laughs) i think i know what it's about and i'm not gonna say it because i don't want to spoil it but i like have a pretty good sense of what's happening in gerald's game okay uh this was my second time watching it i watched it wait what's the name of the short that plays before What's the chess one? The Pixar animated chess one? 
I have no idea. Because in my head, I'm like, that's Gerald's game. <laughs> that's really funny. That's the wrong one. <laughs> Imagine like, if you were dreading chess. No, but I mean, what is that one called? Do you know what I'm talking about? The old man who's like playing chess with himself? No. You don't know that? That's a no. classic. I need... Okay, I'm Star- looking it up right now. It's Jerry's sure. game. Okay, come on. You gotta give me that one. <laughs> I definitely you give it to you. You gotta give me I'm that for one. for sure giving it to you. <laughs> okay. And okay. you better believe those are the only only images I'll be using on our Instagram are images from Jerry's game. <laughs> you guys, you have to watch Jerry's game because it's so good. I think it was like the first yeah, of those one of the little first Pixar ones. shorts and it's like really sweet. It's from 1997. Okay, so excuse me, Mike. A good palate cleanser for Gerald's game. Excuse me, Mike, with this title. You knew what you were doing 20 years later. (laughs) Well, Gerald's game, the book was written in 92. Okay, Pixar, you knew what you were doing. (laughs) So I think we got to pick a bone. Bone to pick with Pixar. Bone to pick with Pixar. (laughs) Um, This movie has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, 77 on Metacritic, and 6.5 on IMDb. Wow. Mm, I did find that the budget was 35 million, but as I said, no theatrical run, so Mm. no no numbers on on that on how much it made because it doesn't work. Once again, I I don't get it. (laughs) Don't get it. Um, this was Mike Flanagan's first Stephen King adaptation. Uh, he now, you know, went on to do Dr. Sleep, and I believe he is currently adapting two more Stephen King novels, The Dark Tower and The Life of Chuck. And him, Stephen King loves, they just love each other. And I feel like mm. Stephen King at one point was like, Mike Flanagan is the only person I want directing. Oh, my, man, that's cool. Yeah, he like really is happy with how... These films have turned out, and so good for them, you know? That's really nice for them. Mm. Love it. Mm. Love it. And um, we're going to save the trailer for the end, mm. if because you don't know much about it, and feels like best to go into blind. So the trailer's not going to be in this episode, but it's available on our Patreon Patreon.com slash TSDW podcast if you want to see our trailer reaction. But we're just going to get right into this movie. Okay. And now we got to do some trigger warnings. Okay. (laughs) Here we go. And actually, there's not that many. They're just big ones. So child sexual abuse and rape and uh, self-harm. Okay. Yeah. Those are some big. Those are big ones. The Trinity, one might say. (laughs) Trinity of trigger warnings. Trinity of triggers. (laughs) Um, All right. You guys ready? Mm, no. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. <laughs> With those I'm triggers, so excited. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> so fucking ruin my day. Fucking <laughs> day. I have my organic <sighs> mini cheese crackers from Trader Joe's. I will Yum. try not to be too loud eating them in the background. I am just going to calmly sit here and... It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? 
Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary, code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. We all come home after a long day of work, and what's the first thing we do? We take off our bras because they are uncomfortable and constricting, and we're just ready to get out of them by the end of the day. Well, what if I told you that Skims has changed all that? Skims has done the impossible and created an underwire bra that I actually forget that I'm wearing. I didn't think anybody could do it. You guys obviously know how much I love Skims. I have tried many of their other products. I've never been disappointed, but I, yeah, just don't normally love an underwire bra. I prefer bralette, but I've loved everything else I've gotten so much that I thought, you know what? Why not try an underwire bra from Skims? Let's just see and they did it. They did it, folks. They created my favorite underwire bra I've ever worn. I have the weightless scoop bra. It has this nice like mesh material that's supportive and comfortable, breathable, but still very sexy. And yeah, like I said, I, I do genuinely forget that I'm wearing it. And that is very rare. I, you know, I'm a broken record over here. I love Skims. I love Skims. I'm sorry. That's just the the cold hard truth. I will shout it from the rooftops because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to share in my joy and my comfort. So shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows. Well, let it all wash over me. Love it. Great. Let's do it. We start with a couple driving to their vacation home in the middle of nowhere. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. This is Gerald and Jesse. Jesse is looking anxious. Uh, They seem a little uncomfortable together. They... Mm. Uh, Gerald puts his hand, uh, reaches like under her skirt and she pulls it away and opts instead to hold his hand. And there's just an awkwardness between them. And they see a 
stray dog in the middle of the road eating roadkill. Jesse is very sympathetic to the dog, saying like, oh, how sad the stray dog's here. Like someone should do something about this. Whereas Gerald is immediately angry and screaming at him. He needs to get out of the road. He's going to get killed and become roadkill himself. Great. So we don't like Gerald. Yeah, he's he's already seeming like kind of aggressive. And I will say Carla Gugino, uh, Jesse is like overly sweet in kind of a Mm. a silly way, I think. Just like, Mm. oh, but Gerald, like the poor dog. And it's a little it's a little uh, much, but okay, just to serve to contrast their personalities, I suppose. And they arrive at their vacation home. We see it's it's a, a beautiful home and Gerald has stocked everything with beautiful meals and flowers. And she's like, oh, it's everything's so nice. All set up for them to have a nice vacation. Mm. Gerald goes to the bathroom and pops a Viagra nice. <laughs> immediately. All right. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I guess I should say he's like a little bit older than her. She's probably in her forties. He looks to be in late fifties. Like, uh, the Mm. actor is, is 15 years older than her. That's not super important, but they do mention it. Um, and while he is in the bathroom, Jesse finds some raw steaks in the fridge and cuts one up and takes it out to feed the stray dog. This looks like a really nice steak. That's this is insane. Cuckoo. An insane thing to do. <laughs> oh my god! It's also like you don't know what the, he might have been planning to make some yeah, steak. Probably and, for you guys to eat later. Also, like you don't have. Yeah, I think this is weird. It's, I think like, it's over the top. Yeah, yeah. You can feed him something else. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. And sure enough, Gerald comes out immediately, starts screaming. That's a two hundred dollars steak. That's Kobe steak. That's actually an actual Kobe steak. Like, why would you do that? And Jesse's like, I just thought I, I, I. And it's it's like, come on, Gerald's right in in this one. In this moment, Gerald's (laughs) right. We got to give this to Gerald. But Gerald softens and says. I love I love your your kind heart and let him have it. It'll be the best meal he's ever had. So they leave the steak for the dog and they go inside and it's clear they've come here. They're they're been married for a while and we're getting the vibe that they're trying to spice things up in the bedroom because their marriage isn't doing well. And so she's putting on like a a new negligee. She takes the tag off and she's looking a little nervous and trying to, you know, look sexy on the bed. But she's also looking a little self-conscious. And he's like taking his shirt off in the bathroom and he walks in with some handcuffs and Mm. she looks not surprised by the handcuffs. We think by her reaction, it looks like the handcuffs were a pre agreed upon thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's um, coming up to her and he, he cuffs each of her hands to a corner of the, the bedposts. So she is uh, restrained and he, goes back to the bathroom, fills up a cup of water. He's drinking some water and he sets the water on the shelf above the bed. Uh. And 
then like leans down and he's on top of her and he he like goes into character and his character is a stranger that has apparently broken into this house or something and is like bet you think your husband's coming home he's not he's not no. coming home and she's saying like Gerald I don't know about this and he's like he's like oh my name's not Gerald you don't get to know my name and he's kissing her and she's trying to be a good sport about it, but clearly uncomfortable. Yeah, sorry. I mean, this whole scene is horrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, It's yeah. just going to be bad. It's just going to be bad. It's okay. It's, we're just, it's fine. It's, we have a job to do. <laughs> we have a job to do and we're here to do it. And is anyone wearing a tiny hat? <laughs> Great yeah. question. <laughs> what are the size of everybody's hats and no. sort of what's the general headwear situation? <laughs> Devastated to report there are no hats There's and no almost hats. no funny clothing at all. God <laughs> damn it. I know, I'm so sorry, but uh, he tells her to try to call for help and he she does kind of a half-hearted help help and he's like no try to like make it seem real and she like screams it a little louder yells it a little louder and he starts getting a little more aggressive and and like covers her mouth and is like no one can hear you anyways and as he's doing this it's clear she's getting more uh or less comfortable with it and she's not looking into it at all and he's and she kind of starts wriggling and he says you can fight all you want daddy's gonna get what daddy wants and she kicks kicks him off and is like get off of me kicks him backwards and is like i don't want to do this i'm not doing this and he sits back and he's like are you are you playing are you acting or is this real like what um and they get into a fight and she's yelling at him and basically saying, like, I don't I don't like this. Is this what it has to take for you to want to have sex with me? Mm. Like you have what is this like a rape fantasy? I didn't know you had a rape fantasy. Like what's going on? I feel ridiculous. And he's like, oh, so now I'm ridiculous. And yeah. she's like, I didn't say you were ridiculous. I say I feel ridiculous. And, mm. you know, <sighs> No kink shaming. People can do no, but it needs to what be they want consensual. In the bedroom, everybody needs to be comfortable. Yes, we mm -hmm. need to be, have pre-decided what we're doing and have discussions about Your that. Your kink cannot push someone out of what they are consenting to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and so they're starting to get into a fight, and Jesse is just saying, "You know, just uncuff me. We can talk about this." And he looks at her and says, what if I don't? And oh, I'm so upset. <laughs> and <laughs> Jesus Christ, she looks scared and he starts getting back on top of her and is like, <gasps> I'm he's like, I'll be like, I'll be sweet. I'll be sweet. It doesn't need to be like that. I can be sweet. And she's like, Gerald, don't don't do this. And he leans in for a kiss. She bites him. He backs off. It's like, oh, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? And she looks at him and says, what's wrong with me? He's, he like sits back again and he's kind of shaking his head and says, you know, like we were happy once, weren't we? Like what's what's happened between us and what's like, I don't understand where we go from here. And as he's saying this, he's kind of kneeling, facing her. So kind of towards her and he starts gripping his chest oh, and 
making a strange face and she says, you know, what's, what's wrong. And his eyes go wide and he's kind of looks like he's not able to breathe and he's clutching oh my God. his oh left my God. arm. Oh my God. <laughs> Worst case scenario. And he collapses and dies on top of her. He has a heart attack. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Oh. My God, <laughs> it's really very, very much worst case scenario. She is immediately panicking, obviously. Mm-hmm. She uses her feet to prop him up, calling like, Gerald, Gerald, wake up, wake up. This isn't funny. He's dead. He's clearly dead. And she, the way she picks him up with her feet n- knocks him backwards off the bed and he hits the floor. Ugh, gross. At least he's not on top of her. I yeah. thought he was going to be like crushing her, but this isn't ideal. It's not ideal. Still not good. She's really screaming for help now. And we're seeing, you know, wide shots from outside that there nobody's going to be hearing this they're in the middle of nowhere there's no neighbors and then some time passes we see like the light in the room has changed a couple hours have con- gone by and she hears something in the rustling in the bushes outside kind of like steps like leaves cracking and she's calling out doesn't see anything. And then she hears some noise in the kitchen or just like in the in the not in the room. And she I hears like have, I actually have chills. I'm so scared. I, I don't know why, but I'm so scared. It's really scary. I, I told Emily last night that this movie because I, I don't get scared very often after watching a horror movie. I'm pretty able to turn my brain off and be like, okay, time for bed. Totally fine. This movie, I immediately locked this window that I always keep open. I was like, could go lock that window. I just, <laughs> so scary. Oh, lock so that window. Scary. Okay. All right. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm okay. So she hears steps now coming down the hallway toward the bedroom and through the door comes that dog, stray dog. Mm. And she breathes a little sigh of relief, but not for long because she looks down and sees that there is now blood pooling from Gerald's head. He, the way he hit, it's like a tile stone floor. And so if he wasn't dead before, he's definitely dead now. And we know that this is a hungry dog and oh, gross. the dog immediately starts kind of licking at the blood. Ew, 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 ew. Jessie is yelling at the dog, but can't really do much. She's kicking and trying to... How'd the dog get in the door? I must have left it open, I guess, which seems <sighs> dumb. <laughs> but she's able to reach at the edge of the shelf above the bed her hand can Mm. barely reach there and she grabs a book off of it the book is midnight mass which is kind of a fun Ah. little oh that's funny um easter egg throws it at the dog but you know eventually the dog 
it's skittish, but eventually realizes that she can't do anything. So comes and bites a piece of his <gasps> arm off and oh, is chewing his skin, like lays down Ew. and is like gnawing at the Ew. arm. Ew. And Jesse is just completely horrified by this. And she's like staring kind of dead eyed at the foot of the bed, like watching her husband be eaten. Oh my God. <laughs> and Gerald's hand gra- grabs up on top of the <gasps> bed and pulls himself up. And she's in such shock. And he's like that damn dog. And like, you fed it the steak. You fed it the oh steak. Oh my fuck. God. And, scream, and screaming at her and she's looking so confused but then she looks back down and sees he is still dead on the floor and so she says what's happening and he says I think you've lost your mind and like to be fair like watching your husband being eaten by a dog is pretty good time for a mental breakdown so we're seeing two Geralds yes and this Gerald who's talking to her does he have a head injury no Okay. So this is just her kind of imagination. Mm -hmm. So he gets up and starts talking to her. And I guess in the book, basically everything is happening within Jesse's head. And this is kind of just a device to be able to make it more, you know, cinematic. So to be able to externalize her inner dialogue. So he's standing up and talking to her now. And in true Mike Flanagan fashion, there is so much talking in this oh, movie. Great. <laughs> great, 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 great. You would think, yeah, someone alone in a room might be uh, less dialogue than normal. Not the case. There's it's like still constant monologues and, and it's it's good writing, but it's just like, Jesus Christ, he <laughs> loves writing his dialogue. <laughs> he loves it. This man loves the written word. He, loves he paragraph. really does. He really does. So he's now yelling at her that she's already wasted five hours. They kind of calculate the amount of time that's passed. And he serves as someone for her to talk to, to go through the thoughts that are going through her head. And he's Mm -hmm. uh, telling her, you know, the grass is cut. That means the gardeners have been here. That means they won't be here for another week. Uh, The house has been cleaned. So we know the cleaners aren't coming. There's no neighbors. And then another Jesse shows up next to him. So they're kind of the two sides of her inner voice where one's being really Mm -hmm. mean to her and putting her down the critical voice. And then the Jesse version of other Jesse is uh, more encouraging and calm and level headed and just being like, okay, no, like breathe you've got to, you can, you can do this. Like, let's think through it rationally. Hmm. The other Jesse says, if you don't wake up, uh, cause something that Gerald is telling her is like, Oh, you're just kind of dissociating right now. Like you always do. Like when there's a problem, you run, you hide. And then other Jesse says, if you don't wake up right now, you're going to die in those handcuffs. And we both know you've been sleepwalking since you were 12. And Gerald kind of turns and is like, what is she talking about? And other Jesse says, he put you in those handcuffs way before Gerald did. Oh. Real Jesse says, not now. Oh, no. Gerald says, not now. What? And it's getting dark outside. Uh, So it's clear there's something like very bad that's happened in her past that 
um, she doesn't want to revisit in her mind. And so she's like saying, no, not now. And then they remember or she's like saying that she's really thirsty. And the other Jesse reminds her of the water that Gerald placed on the shelf above her. And so she is, she can't reach it obviously, but she can reach the corners of the shelf. And so she's able to tilt it at an angle so that it slides down and she can get it in her hand. This is all done like so slow and tense because you like can't spill it. And it's looking like really difficult to do. She's shaking like their arms being like chained up, cuffed up for hours would be horrible, horrible. And poor Carla Gugino had to do this. for. <laughs> I think the shoot was like of her being in this was like three weeks of basically just like <gasps> acting in handcuffs every day. And it's like, Oh That's my God. Awful. That's awful. Um, so she gets the cup of water in her hand, but then can't bring it to her lips because it's not, it doesn't reach far enough because she's no. still she's, yeah. restrained by the handcuff. So she can't reach all the way to her mouth. So she's looks like this is a huge blow and she's like about to give up the other Jesse's like, don't don't it's okay. It's okay. Like put it back, put it back where you got it from. Like, let's regroup. It's clear that she's getting really tired, losing energy. So she, she puts, she puts the water back up and they're like, okay, let's, let's regroup. It's okay. It's okay. We're going to, let's think about this some more. Um, and then other Jesse says, you got that negligee new, right? Brand new. And this makes a little light bulb bulb moment go out and go on. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesse reaches to the other side of the shelf and finds the tag that she had ripped off the nightgown, not a nasty nightgown, sexy nightgown. And she's able to roll it into a kind of straw. Oh, smart shape. And then she puts it, she puts that in her mouth because that's long enough that she can reach it to her mouth. And then she grabs the cup of water again and she's able to sip some of it through the straw. Very smart. Don't think it would work in real life, but maybe we'll take it. Um, Also, throughout all of this, she'll be glancing over and seeing the dog still like chowing down on her husband. The dog is just there the the whole time. And Uh. uh, she's falling asleep now. She's really uh, lost, losing, losing energy. And sets the you know cup and the straw back up and kind of decides okay I'm like gonna go to sleep no one's gonna come help me tonight I need rest and so she falls asleep and we get this shot down the hallway towards the bedroom and the dog turns and looks at the camera like down the hallway and then runs out looking scared. It's like whimpering and runs out of the house. Um, this wakes Jesse up and she scans the room, does a scan of the room. It's dark and, you know, no lights on at all. And she's like really stiff. She's like, Oh, oof, cause like sleeping in that oh, position yeah. would be so horrible. So badly. 
and she kind of props herself up a bit and then notices something in the corner Mm. of the room Mm. and says, hello. And Mm. this enormous man takes a step forward from the shadows it's bare he can barely make him out just the shape it's it's like the thing that people say when they have sleep paralysis of like the man the man in the corner of the room (laughs) and he steps forward and it's yeah just like a seven foot tall man in kind of ra- or a raggy outfit <laughs> he's like raggy? raggy i don't know he like <laughs> looks really scary and she's really out of it and she is at first saying you know like you're not you're not real uh, and he steps what closer if he is, though he steps closer and he's got this little bag with him and he opens it and shows her the contents of it. And at first we see this kind of sparkly bracelet and then he jiggles it a bit and there's all these bones at the bottom of the bag. She just like shakes her head and is like, you're not real. You're not real. You're not real. Closes her eyes. Hears footsteps. Then Gerald's head comes into frame and whispers in her ear, like, or maybe you're just not safe anymore. Oh, my God. (laughs) She opens her eyes. The tall man is gone. They refer to him as the moonlight man, because all you really see is the reflection of the moonlight on on his, you know, outline. There's a long another long monologue by Gerald about how maybe that's what death looks like. She's again saying, no, Boots, he's not real. It's not real. And Gerald says, then why did the dog leave? Mm. What? And I don't like that. <laughs> as, That's a really good point. It's a really good point. And as Gerald is talking to her, he calls her mouse. And this triggers something <sighs> in her. She says, don't call me that. Why did you call me that? And we flash back now to... 12-year-old Jesse. Oh, oh man. man. Yep, here we go. Here we fucking go. And it's her and her family going to a lake house to watch a solar eclipse. And they step out and she says when they see the lake house, it's so much smaller than I remember. And her dad says, that's because you're bigger. God, and uh, they get settled in and... Jesse overhears her mom and dad having an argument. The dad is Henry Thomas, by the way, the Elliot from E.T., who is also in Haunting Haunting of Hill House and I think other Flanagan projects. Uh, He's great. I got to see him as an adult. Uh, So, yeah. So she overhears this argument between her mom and her dad. The mom has some resentments towards Jesse. She's basically complaining, being like, Jesse's such a daddy's girl. She doesn't want to come on the boat with us. This was us supposed to do this as a family. And the dad is defending her, being like, this is all totally age appropriate behavior. You're being too hard on her. Mom is basically saying like, oh, you would say that because she's such a daddy's girl. And you guys are best friends. And like, we're like, oh, yeah, it's um, upsetting. And she's like, well, if you... If um, if you want, why don't you stay behind with her? If 
if you don't care and we'll all go out on the boat. And so the, the whole family goes out on the boat, except for dad and Jesse. Oh my God. I'm I hate this. I'll skip, I'll skip past it. <laughs> it's really bad. You guys. Yeah. Listeners, if you don't, it's like genuinely, um, it's, I, I'm like disturbed that they even made a 12 year old actor be in this scene. Yeah. So they're at a bench. Yeah. Brace ourselves. We'll go through. They're at a bench at the lake watching solar eclipse. Dad is immediately very sexually suggestive towards her says, that's a really beautiful dress. She says, mom says it was too short. He says, mom's wrong. It looks, it looks great on you. Mm -hmm. And he has one of those little viewfinder things for you to be able to look at the, uh, at the sun directly to watch the eclipse happen, which makes everything red through it. And the use of red in this movie uh, is really cool. And so every time she's kind of in this dark place of her past, everything turns uh, like all color drains out and it's just all red lighting. And Hmm. so she's looking at the eclipse and he talks about how He's looking at her and saying like how he misses when she was younger. She used to always sit on his lap when they were out here. But now she's such a she's like a young woman now and she's really becoming a woman. And she's probably too old to sit on his lap now. Oh, God. And she looks uncomfortable, but says, no, I can I can sit on your lap still. So she sits on his lap and she's looking through the viewfinder saying it's happening, it's happening. The sun is almost completely blocked out by the moon and he starts masturbating with her on his lap and okay, she feels it and looks scared and is like, dad, and he's like, just keep watching, just keep watching, just keep watching. And that's, that's, that's what happens. Okay. Okay. Cut back to the present and... We see an overhead view of Jessie in the bed. She's peed herself in the night and she gets up and is in like excruciating pain. She's now spent the whole night sleeping like this. Her legs are cramped. She's like, can't, she's like, I can't move my legs. Other Jesse is saying, you know, it's, it's, it'll, that'll wear off your body. Your body is uh, not supposed to sleep in that position, but that'll wear off. The cramps will wear off. It's okay. And she's talking to other Jesse about like, why do I have to be there and be here at the same time? Like, I don't want to think about that right now. And Mm -hmm. she says, you married into the same dynamic that you knew. And there's Mm -hmm. just like this conversation happening where she's kind of processing how her childhood um, sexual trauma led to her choice in men and affected, you know, other things in her life. And, Mm. and we hear things that she has used to rationalize things to herself. And she says things like what he did to me, or like, he didn't even touch me. He didn't, he didn't even touch me, which I, you know, would assume would be something she has used to, to minimize the tragedy yeah. in her own mind. And she says what he did to me wasn't the worst thing that anybody's ever done to anybody. And mm. other Jesse mm. says, no, that would be what he did afterwards. And Gerald <sighs> looks like, what, what did he do? What did he do? And she mm-hmm. won't say. 
and then she notices a bloody footprint on the floor through the oh god <laughs> it's a what's clearly i guess not super clearly she's still trying to be trying to convince herself it's a do- it's the dog it's the dog a, pa- a paw print but it looks pretty unmistakably a man's shoe print yeah that does a dog's paw looks very different from a man's shoe <laughs> <laughs> very different and Gerald says to her, he'll be back tonight. And when you're dead, he'll have your wedding ring in his case. So we're scared for him to return. And we get Mm -hmm. another flashback of now Jesse is alone in her room immediately after the previous scene. And she's crying and her dad comes in and... It's like, Jesse, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, come here. We, and she like, they sit next to each other on the bed and he's like, come here, come here. We need to talk about this. And she looks really scared. And he says, we have to tell mom what happened. And she's like, what? Oh, this motherfucker. It's so horrible. And he's like, he's like, we have to, I think it's a big enough deal that we have to. And I know that, our relationship isn't great right now. And also your relationship with her isn't great right now. And so I don't know what that's going to do. Like what oh my she's going to say. But it seems like we should tell her. And young Jesse, 12 year old Jesse's obviously like, no, like what if we didn't tell her? Like maybe we shouldn't tell her she's going to be mad. And yeah, just manipulates her into making oh it seem God. like her idea to oh keep it a secret. So that fuck? by the end of the scene, she's like, I'm never going to tell anybody. I'll never tell anybody. And he's like, OK, we won't tell mom. And she's like, thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. Thank you so much. Ew, 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 oh. ew, 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 He leaves the room looking very fucking satisfied with himself. And... Jesse lays back on the bed, 12-year-old Jesse, in like a position that matches where current Jesse is in her bed. And she looks down at her toe. And the Moonlight Man is licking her toes. And it's so <laughs> fucking disturbing and gross. Ew. Oh, my God. And then it like flashes current Jesse awake. And she looks down and the dog is licking her toes. Uh, and then the dog jumps up on the bed and bites her leg. Okay. She kicks it off. This and dog has had a enough to eat. And a steak. And Gerald comes uh, in and says, he's going to try that again. Your fresher meat. It's now been, I guess, two days. Is that a thing? Is that I don't a thing know. with dogs? I don't know. Do dogs go after humans in this way? I don't know. I don't it know. does I seem like he's had a lot to eat. <laughs> he just he has a lot to eat. But I do think, I mean, like a wild animal would, right? Like, yeah, he looks kind of wolfish. It's like a German shepherd, I guess. Like, I do, I do think they, they would eventually. I think Aww. eventually, yeah. Well, I'd rather focus on I'd rather focus on the dog than the father, anyway. So let's yeah. keep talking about the dog. I, I don't like any of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's looking worse for wear. Her lips are like very mm-hmm. chapped. She's mm-hmm. looking very pale, exhausted, and she falls back asleep. And she's dreaming again in the the red world and she's talking to her younger self who's now wearing handcuffs and 
the young Jesse is saying, I want you to remember, I want you to remember. And adult Jesse says, I do remember. I remember, I remember it all. I remember what he did. And she says, I remember mom always turning the other way. There's like an implication Mm. that the mom knew what was happening. Mm. And young Jesse says, no, remember after that. You have everything you need. Remember what happened next. And we go to after the bedroom talk, they had a family dinner and everyone is sitting in the, at, the, at the dinner table together. And the mom asks Jesse, young Jesse, how their day was and how watched if they had fun watching the eclipse. And Jesse's holding a cup of water and accidentally smashes it and cuts her palm open because she's so stressed and she's like gripping this cup. She looks so scared. And, uh, the dad immediately jumps up and is like, Oh, let me, I like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Let me go. We need to go rinse this off and pulls her out of the room. And there's this look between the mom and Jesse that just again, kind of solidifies that she knows what's happening. Mm. And so the dad takes her into the bathroom and is cleaning up the cut on her hand and, and wrapping it in bandages and, then we cut back to present day and Jesse has a realization of how slippery blood can be. Oh, mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she looks, we see other Jesse there. She says, it's going to hurt like hell. And okay. she's God. Like, Damn it. Okay. And so she reaches up and she grabs the glass of water from the shelf and smashes it against the shelf. Okay. Cuts her hand open a little bit. You know, I would have maybe given a shot from from this (laughs) amount of blood. But she embeds a big chunk of glass in like the wood of the shelf (laughs) to make, you know, like a, a... Stabby knife situation. And she is talking, like talking it through with other Jesse and being like, you can't go too deep or you'll or you'll die, but you've got to go deep enough that you'll get a lot of blood. So she slits her own wrist. It seems pretty deep to me. Okay. And she it's it's pouring blood, obviously, and she starts pulling her hand through the cuff, but because it's like a, a, a like a lip of skin now, it like catches. Uh, no, thank you, thanks. <laughs> I'll pass. And she has to keep pulling, and she's screaming <gasps> in pain, but That's she pulls so as the skin of her hand does not come through. Until she gets past her like thumb area, so it basically degloves up to the bottom of her fingers. Degloves. Oh my god, degloves. Degloves. Emily's on her desk. Emily's on the desk. Emily's getting up high to heights to higher ground. She's getting to higher ground. She's getting to higher ground. Oh, I'm gonna throw up. That's so disgusting. And she gets her hand up, but it's like 
I think, sorry, I'm so sorry, but I have to get into it. It's like a little bit worse than a full degloving because her fingers are all still on. And so it's like degloved on just the palm and like area. And so now her hand is just like, the skin is just like loose on her hand. Ah. (laughs) It's so gross. But she, she is now has one hand free. She's losing blood quick. And, yeah. you know, the clock is running out on everything. I mean, she's probably starving, super dehydrated, losing blood, losing energy. She. And I mean, that hand is not going to do her a lot of good no. now. No. And she is able to slide the bed over enough to reach the key to the cuffs on the counter but yeah her hand is completely it's not useless but it's like really difficult and so it's all of this is like very drawn out stressful horrible like her struggling trying to pick up the key but man (laughs) the other day i i i had too much caffeine and i so i was like a little bit shaky Mm -hmm. and i was trying to put on makeup and like couldn't do it like that's that's how useful my hands were after too much caffeine <laughs> I, like, I was not degloved and trying to de-gloved. slip a key into a little hole like that would be so fucking hard yeah yeah and it looks very hard Carla Gugino is so good in this I like can't believe she's great this man. performance and she eventually gets the key but it looks really difficult she puts it in her mouth and she uses her mouth to un- uncuff herself and so she gets her other hand free checks the phone the phone by the way has been like out of reach this whole time and she it's dead by now it's not no no battery so she can't use the phone but she just sees car keys and she grabs the car keys and she's about to walk out of the room when the God dog damn it who has been in the room still this whole time turns towards the door and starts growling and like backing up away from the door. That's the exit of the room. She's scared. She also Mm. uses, um, I like this detail. She has like pads, like sanitary, sanitary napkins. And she uses those to, to kind of make a little wrist wrap up her hand. Okay. Maybe a little on the nose symbolism of like her getting her period when she was 12 and now using these. I'm just, I guess, realizing Mm, that right now. Anyways, uh, she's looking scared. She slowly turns and looks and the moonlight man is there. This is daytime now. It's like maybe maybe evening. The sun is going down and. She slowly walks towards him. He's not moving. He's just at the end of the hallway, standing, facing her. She has to pass him to get out. She's she's walking and. He she gets close enough to see that he is wearing a necklace of a human ear. Okay. And she takes off her wedding ring and offers it to him. He opens up his little case. She drops it in. He gives her a big smile. Ew. And she walks past him. He lets her he lets her go. She runs out. Is he real? Is this person real? I don't don't get it. And then she gets into the car. She floors it. She's driving 
through the it's like woods and we she's like starting to nod off she's losing consciousness and she looks in the rearview mirror and sees moonlight man with his pupils like an eclipse like a red light it's a very scary effect and it's completely silent that's another thing is that there's i don't think there's any music in this whole movie and Mm. so so he's in the back of the car he's in the back of the car and we see it cut to a side view of her in the front seat and his hand comes from the back and grabs her throat and he leans forward and whispers in her ear mouse and it cuts to the real world her crashing into a tree like at full speed having um passed out oh god but then we see there is a house in the distance that turns on a light having heard the crash so she's at least made it to another house she opens the door falls out passes out but we see people coming with flashlights so moonlight man was in her imagination i mean we don't know okay 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 fine so we cut to her uh six months later with a burn glove on her hand writing a letter this is again a very mike flanagan-y <laughs> letter long monologue explaining everything and summing up her her journey she talks about how after the handcuffs things went back to normal except for one thing every night she still sees the moonlight man and there's like a scary scene of her haunted by this man and always seeing him at the foot of her bed and so she like can't sleep still traumatized by this and we find out that she is writing this letter to her her younger self and she is she says thank you for coming to me that day referring to i think the the dream which in which she said you know i want you to remember and she says because of you i've started a foundation for boys and girls like us and i used to be so scared to tell my story now i tell it every day to anyone who i think it might help And that helps my days, but still my nights are, you know, filled with fear. I see the moonlight man every night. And then until one day she saw his face in the paper and it says crypt creeper captured. It is a man who was robbing graves and first started out like digging into graves, stealing their jewelry, but then progressed to him cutting body parts off and eventually necrophilia and having sex with the corpses. And, but he only had sex with men, which she says for me was obviously very lucky. She says he has acromegaly. It's the condition he has. So his face, I guess I should have said this earlier. Sorry. His like forehead is enormous. His chin is like his features are really enlarged. And I guess it's something that happens when it's something to do with your pituitary gland. And this actor does have this condition. He's the same actor that plays the giant in Twin Peaks. And um, she says how the police 
went to his house and found his sister and her husband dead in in their house or in in the house and he referred to them i guess as mommy and daddy and had scalped them and just like Jesus. so many details of this case are given to us in this letter that she's writing to her younger self i guess that's <laughs> fine <laughs> but um there's she says they think he killed almost a dozen people but for some reason he spared me He's being arraigned tomorrow and I'm going to go see him because the people who were meant to be our protectors ended up being the monsters and we need the sun to come back out. And this is all this is now back in the in the red world. She's like sitting next to her younger self and they're looking at the eclipse with the sun blocked out and you know just this this metaphor for the darkness of this trauma and wanting to see the sun again and so she goes to court and we see the moonlight man in his prison jumpsuit and he is he is real and she walks into court's it's kind of silly. She like walks up and is like, Hey, in the middle of the court case. (laughs) And he turns around and he smiles really big at her. Mm. And he says, you're not real. And he breaks out of his restraints. He he has those, uh, you know, like zip tie cuffs on that are clearly not enough to restrain him. But he puts his arms up to his sides like how she was positioned on the bed. So he like clearly remembers her. And he goes, you're made of moonlight. And his voice is really high for being such a huge man. I found that kind of unsettling. And uh, the other prison guards run up and re-restrain him. He's not, like, running at her or anything. And she steals herself and continues walking towards him. And as she does, he transforms in her mind to her dad, her husband, and then back to him. And she gets up right up close to his face and says... You're so much smaller than I remember. And she turns around and walks out of the courtroom into the street. We see the sun as an eclipse is finishing and it's full sunlight again. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, (laughs) Whoa. uh, (laughs) I feel terrible. I know that I should feel less terrible because it's like a happy ending. It's a redemptive story. She overcomes her fears. She overcomes her trauma. I just don't like being reminded of how common child sexual abuse is. Yeah, this 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 isn't what I thought it was going to be. You thought it was going to be Jerry's game. I thought it was going to be Jerry's game, the Pixar animated short with the man playing chess with himself. Um, I thought it was going to be more about somebody. It, uh, you know sex the, the and violence yeah I thought it was going to be like all that or more like manipulated by Gerald himself because Gerald's yeah. game really makes it seem like Gerald is going to be the main perpetrator, perpetrator and he is yeah. to a certain degree but not really 
It's I more had about her no idea. Yeah. yeah, no idea we were going to revisit childhood sexual trauma. Yeah. I and I'm not happy about I, that's it. That's why we Me didn't either. do when I first watched it. I mean, I watched it probably like a year ago. And it really, really, really upset me. And I was just like, I don't think I'm like, yeah, ready to <laughs> recap this. But yeah. it is a really good movie. I have complicated feelings as usual about like showing, showing this. this. Yeah. Like have that 12 year old actress. I, I mean, I don't know how they film that scene, but I just feel like they shouldn't be yeah. able to do that. And maybe they didn't. Yeah. Maybe there was just, like ways that they got around it, yeah, like they maybe. in Babadook, where they like it's had an adult, adult <laughs> stand in for the little boy when he was getting yeah. screamed at. I hope they did because it's just uh, it's so upsetting. Um, also, like yeah. a, a man, Stephen King, writing this book, a man, Mike Flanagan, mm -hmm. directing this movie and mm -hmm. co-writing it with another man. I just feel like that kind of makes me feel gross. I don't know if that's a valid feeling or not all feelings are valid i suppose yeah. but it, yeah. i just wish they had maybe brought in a woman to co-write it just because it i just feel like it's a little gross to be like we men can tell this story about a woman's sexual assault and and abuse yeah right yeah would love right. to have a, yeah. a female voice in there mike flanagan was asked about that and did say that um Carla Gugino had a lot of input and that was really important to him to have her be an author of the story as well. And she is great in it. And I don't okay. think it was done poorly or anything, but it, it is just something that yeah adds to my feeling of like Ugh, afterwards. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, com it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess it's there's part of you that's like feels gross that it could be used as a form of entertainment at all but then right but then if that's not what's happening and also it's better to acknowledge that these kinds of things do happen instead of just pretending like they never happen yeah yeah so that's what i mean like i don't it's think so, it's so upsetting i don't think it was poorly handled by any means and i don't think that yeah it doesn't feel exploitative or anything like that um but it is just something that i think about and then kind of um mm -hmm. similarly uh, we've talked about this before but people that are differently bodied being used as just like these mm -hmm. very monsters yeah. monsters um is a little problematic in horror we've i think yeah talked about it with javier yeah. botet where that's just something that happens a lot that anyone that looks different is villainized or made into the monster yeah um that said a huge man just like is scary yes. absolutely a regular sized man is yeah. scary yeah yes it, a huge man is very very scary but that is absolutely that's scary yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. oh my god i don't even know i need to do some jumping jacks <laughs> i'm really um i want to shake it out that oh yeah i i, I yep. wanted to say some like reddit theories i read Ooh. And I don't think this is true, but someone was like, I think the dog is not real and that it's the it's hmm. the man the whole time that's like eating the husband Ew. and like oh. licking her foot and that she could have created the dog as a way to like block because there that is less traumatizing. There is mention of how you how you repress memories and change memories to protect yourself. And I'm like, oof, that's very disturbing. And some people think, yeah, that the that the Moonlight Man spared her because he was also eating her husband. Um, I mean, he did lick her toes, right? At one point. Well, so. that was well, theoretically in a dream. 
but maybe, uh, maybe maybe the dog was the like replacement for um yeah so he I, he was he in the car with her i wonder no or did she imagine that no yeah. she probably just was yeah at that point just not um in her right like mind yeah and very out of it I mean, it would be very, very fucking hard to drive under those circumstances. Yes. And people really hate, the, a lot of people really hate this ending uh, in true Stephen King fashion. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. How does it really end? Um, no, that that's how it really ends. Because Mike Flanagan was like, I want to have it be true to source material. But okay. people think that it's, um, actually, I don't, I don't mind the ending. It does feel a little like cookie cuttery like like she's over it yeah (laughs) it's like very neatly tied with a bow like and that's that so it's a little cheesy and like thank god this horrible thing happened to her because it made her able to deal with her trauma yeah it's like yep i don't know yeah exactly so it's a little like "Mm, i I don't know there's probably a better ending in there in there somewhere but but i don't i don't hate it um but yeah that's that's gerald's game we did uh, it. Now we have to watch Jerry's game. Yeah, let's watch Jerry's <laughs> game. Everybody, palate cleansers. Just watch Jerry's, Jerry's game. game. Okay, can't wait. This, you're going to have a great time. You're going to uh, have a great time. Ooh, that really, that one, every now and again, I feel physically ill. Me too. You can, see, you can see why I locked my window. <laughs> yeah, this one, I felt physically ill a couple of times. So. Me too. Awesome. Me too. It's a very, it's an effective movie. It's pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Okay. I hate it. I might, yeah, I just don't like it at all. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't. I'm 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 just going to sort of forget that we did it. I want to watch some Pixar shorts now. That's what I'll do. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Patrons, we blame you. We blame you. (laughs) God damn it, patrons. (laughs) We blame you. We love you. We we blame you. Uh, We did in in many ways bring this upon ourselves. (laughs) We really Um, did. So, you know. Yep. Can't blame you too much. But let me blame you a little. (laughs) Everybody stay safe out there. Lock your windows. Lock your windows. If you're going to a very remote place, give people an itinerary. Give give your closest friends access to an emergency number nearby. Yep. Just have aware. a time and place scheduled for check-ins. You know, just just all, let's just all look out for each other. We should yep. all be wearing those emergency necklaces that elderly people wear when they live alone. And we should all be wearing those. Yeah. Oh, something I wanted to ask you guys: Would you have died in this scenario? I would. One hundred percent. I would have died. <laughs> yeah. I would you I be able died. to? Well, I would have maybe tried a smaller cut no we would have tried no we i think given the circumstances we all would have tried to get ourselves out of the handcuffs you'd have to you would have to and would you rather because commonly in break a thumb yeah commonly movies it's shown that people can break their thumbs to get out of handcuffs would you rather do that or cut and try to slip it out wait so when you break your thumb how does that even work? Like you break like the bottom part of your thumb. That's the thing is like, I'm not sure it's a real thing. And so I feel like I'd rather cut. Yeah. I, I think you'd have to break. Yeah. This big bottom bone. That's but then, not just like, your thumb. Yeah. That's like a whole yeah, big part of your like hand. An arm, wrist, wrist bone. Um, pro- I mean, don't make me choose. I think <laughs> I would try the. Uh, 
I think I would try the cut. I would try the cut first. first. But you know what I would try though is I would I think I would try a cut higher up. Now that I know, now that we've I've had time to think about it, I think I would try a cut higher up my arm to get just to use the blood only. Right. I don't want to cut where the skin's gonna catch. Yeah. Mm. I think you know? that's, yeah. I think that's, that's what you gotta try to do. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a then flip your arm over so like get the yeah, blood in there. Yeah, you just like try to let the blood pool and pull your hand and try not to, you know, catch it. the problem it. with cutting your wrist is like a lot of blood will come out versus cutting right, your hand. Right. Exactly, yeah. So it's not a great, Neither it's is not a great, great situation. <laughs> I think what I'll do is not get into this situation at all. But um, I would recommend, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of, there's the t- wrist ties, that you can get uh-huh. as opposed to handcuffs, you know, say so it's just the same purpose, but maybe use a tie instead of a handcuff or I'm sure they sell handcuffs for sexual purposes that have like an emergency release, you know? Yeah. yeah so we're going to work. We're going to work on those. We're going to find we're those. We're going to only use those for sure. We're only going to use those. I think um, that's, I think that's a good, good advice. So that's what I, that's what we'll be doing. Stay, yeah, stay safe out there. If we must, stay safe out. Stay safe out there. <laughs> yeah, love you guys. Oh, love you guys. Love what, you. A, what a great reunion of the three of us. Oh, <laughs> thrilled to be back. To be doing back. <laughs> what I love the most, what I earlier described as like stepping into a warm bath. <laughs> Well, the and first yeah. 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes were great. Uh, yeah, it's about, it's about the first 20. And That's then right. I just sort of dissociate for the last hour 60. <laughs> Pretend that it didn't. This is not happening. Okay. Love you, Sammy. Love Doing you guys. Thank you for this, Sammy. No Did voices. It. We'll just do no a voices. gentle, nice mm-hmm. from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you, my friends, for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you had fun hanging with us, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at TSDW Podcast. And if you're interested in things like bonus episodes, video, trailer reactions, and other cool content, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. All right, we love you all forever and ever, starting a while ago and continuing into eternity. Adios. That was a HeadGum Podcast.